as we worship this morning. Um, thank you for, some of you have been praying for Lisa. Um, Lisa, Lisa's mom, as I um, said last week during the prayer time, has a, a muscle degenerative thing that's going on, probably occurring from um, two falls that she had the previous weekend. But while she was sitting there in the hospital with her mom and her brother, her brother w was sick, and then she's sitting there, and then Tuesday, um, before she comes home, as she's there in Bedford, she stops and get a COVID test, and she tested positive. So she called me up and was like, what do I do? And I'm like, uh, come home. Um, but before she got home, I went ahead and I, I put a fan in the bedroom window blowing out, so it'd be like a negative pressure isolation room, and then ushered her into her bedroom, and she's been living there since um, Tuesday. And, um, but she's, and she went and she, she was pretty sick at the beginning. She got an infusion. That helped a lot. Um, but she's, the last couple of days, she's been doing very well. So appreciate your prayers and, and such. So I've been shoving food through the keyhole and, and feeding her. Um, but she's doing fine. And just for you, I've been tested three times this week just to be careful. I even um, tested this morning and tested negative for COVID. So just full disclosure on that this morning that I did test. But I have been trying to stay away from you a little bit. So but appreciate your prayers so much. When I um, was invited to church camp the first time by my Sunday school teacher, I had no idea what it was. Um, I had heard some things. I did not grow up as a younger child attending church camp. And so my first opportunity to go, I was 16. And my Sunday school was the dean of the camp and he invited me to go. But one of the peculiar things that I remember was the first night at camp, the adults all did a skit. And within this skit, they were, they were like um, pretending to, to take a shower. And the point of the skit was that for everyone to have hot water, everyone has to conserve and do what they called at the time, taking a Navy shower which is basically you turn on the water, you get wet, you turn off the water, you lather up, then you turn the water on and you rinse off. Saves a tremendous amount of water. And they explained if everyone does this, we can all have hot water. But if like 10, because there were 100 people there at camp, if, if even like five or 10 people take a long, luxurious shower, um, the rest of the people will not have hot water afterwards. And so I listened, and I, I didn't think this was a very spiritual skit. But then the next morning, when I took my very cold shower, I began thinking that was a very deeply spiritual skit that they did. And I've actually thought a lot about that since then, because as I was sitting there waiting on my shower and hearing the water just go and go and go and go, it just didn't click. I, I think, you know, you, for, you go to bed and you forget about what you heard the next day. And so people were shouting, Navy showers, Navy showers, hearing the water running on the inside. But I began to understand a connection between what my flesh wants and what I want, and then what is best for others. And I saw that playing out within that whole um, shower situation. And over time, by I think Wednesday, 
um, everyone was taking Navy showers from peer pressure more than anything else. But then as I look in my own life that I recognize that when the Spirit calls us to be active in the kingdom of God, there's this very important component, and it's a spiritual component, of not putting self first, but putting other people first. And this thought process, I believe very much, is something that's called submission. It's an, a concept and idea of not me first, and it's played out in Scripture in so many different ways. And as Paul, as we're, we're finishing up going through Colossians right now, Paul is beginning this, this argument about what it means to submit to the cross and what it means to make that decision to pursue the cross. And then as he ends his letter, he begins talking about how this decision of submitting to the cross, following in Christ's example, because Christ himself submitted to the cross, but as we submit to that act of love, it is an act of submission. And how that goes very much against um, some principles that were presented in the Roman Empire. The Romans, during the time period of this writing, um, had a supreme leader, Caesar. And when Caesar was an, uh, um, coronated, when they called him the child of God. He was called the child of God. He was deified, saying that he is representing God and is God to all the people of the Roman Empire. And that strong hierarchy kind of bled down within all the Roman systems all the way to the family. And that the, the dad of the family was the Caesar. The dad of the family was in control. And the average age of... of a husband getting a wife during that time period, I've read, was 30 years old. The average of a, a wife being taken, in which in this process the man would, a man would go to another man and, and with a dowry purchase the wife, the average age of the wife was 14, 15. And so within this process of how this was happening in that household, the dad was the supreme leader, and the dad could do anything he wanted within the family to the wife, to the kids, to the servants, to the slaves in that household because of the supreme leadership that was given. And there was no penalty, um, even if, if murder was committed, there was no penalty for that within that household. And within this landscape, The following of Christ, the people of Christ came into this, to this way of living and turned all that upside down. Because within these Christian communities that were growing within the Roman Empire, people were calling each other brother and sister. And this equality of understanding what it means to live under the good news, to live under the cross brought an idea of equality, that we are all equal under the eyes of God and under the arm, loving arms of God, that we are all equal. So as Paul is talking to the, and writing this letter to the Colossians, 
he is at a point here where he's recognizing if you understand what the cross means and you have made a decision to live your life with that understanding and committing yourself to Christ and receiving that love that Christ has for us, then how you live your life will be demonstrated in the relationships, all relationships that you have. I remember um, listening to Billy Graham once, and he said a quote, if I can remember it well, but who you really are, like what is deep down on the inside, will come out when you are with your immediate family more than any other place. It's the place you're the most comfortable. It's the place where you're more to let your guard down. It's the place where you're most likely to take that mask off and just let the real you come out. And so his challenge to the people was, when you're at home, are you demonstrating the love of the cross while you're in your home? Are you demonstrating that love and passion and representing who Christ is calling you to be in that. So as we begin reading this letter, let's do so remembering who Paul is talking to and the challenge that he is presenting to them. And I'm going to back up a little bit. We started at 18. I'm going to start reading in 17. It's not on the, the screen up there. Paul says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they, they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it all, with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving, and anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and that is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So as we take these words in and we realize, as you read these passages, wow, this is... A culture we're not used to as he's addressing slaves on how to respond as he's addressing this whole situation within the a rope and within the roman empire what a nuclear family may look like with um, parents and children and a slave in the home and i've said this before as a reminder slavery during the roman time was different say than what we're used to during um, slavery within the south in the united states um, years ago. 
that this was a slavery that often was based on um, financial servitude, um, paying off the debts. Um, very often it was uh, temporary, and then after the debt was paid, the person would be released. But other times it, it wasn't. It was something that was because of other situations where this, the slavery could last indefinitely. But within whatever lot the person found themselves in, within relationships, there was this understanding of submission. And an understanding that within the light of the cross, that Christ submitted to the work of the cross. And that before that time came, as Christ was waiting, knowing the Roman soldiers were coming, to carry him away for a horrible night that he, he knew he was going to experience, as he was sweating the drops of, of blood, recognizing what was coming ahead of him because of who Christ is and was and will always will be total love God made this plan Jesus followed through and submitted to the work of the cross because of his love of you and his love of me and that submission to that marks the, the understanding of who we are as Christians and who we are as followers of Christ. That as we receive him, as we receive that work that was created, that that affects our attitude in everything that we do. And that through that attitude comes an understanding that as we submit to that cross and as we mutually submit to others, that brings the power of the good news in every situation. Now, unfortunately, this, this understanding in word submit has often been um, construed as boss. That as to submit to someone means that they're your boss and you do exactly what you're told and that you lose your freedom, you lose your dignity through that, and that is not what Paul is pointing here at all. And unfortunately, so many in our culture today, um, many spouses have been abused and pointed to this passage. And it can be difficult to hear. But I will say that um, what Paul is bringing here is not saying that someone can treat another human being any way that they want because they should submit to them. Contrary to that completely is that we are called to be mutually submissive, understanding how we all submit to Christ. And yes, it mentions here that love is how the husband should treat the wife. That doesn't mean the wife shouldn't also love her husband. And also, as it says, the wife is submit to her husband. Does that mean that the husband should not submit to the wife. Let me look in Ephesians 5.21, as Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, he wrote some very similar words here. And as he began that paragraph in Ephesians 5.21, he said, be subject to one another, be submissive to each other, out of reverence for Christ, as he led the passage that reads very similar to this passage. He's addressing the entire church body. He's addressing 
all of us to be primarily submissive under reverence to the cross. And what does that look like for us today? I really respect my parents. And as I saw how they um, looked at this passage and how they applied this passage, I see it as almost a dance. As my dad worked his best to love his wife and to respect her, and my, my mom showing reverence for her husband and submitting to him, I could see as they discussed important things, there was this, this dance going back and forth. But the primary thing to understand is that this, the submitting as, as we submit to Christ and as Christ is the head of the church, we understand that, that Christ, with the church, Christ submitted to the cross for you so that, and for me so that we can all have eternal life. And so as we understand that, then Christ submitted to us as the cross for the benefit of the church body. Even though Christ is, is God. But allowing himself to die on that cross showed ultimate love to me and to you. And so with that same understanding in our relationships, within a family, and as I understood, as I watched my mom and dad, one of the most important decisions, I, a financial decision, I remember they were discussing is my, um, I grew up in Indiana, but my parents were always going to go back to their home in Alabama. And actually, when they moved to Indiana back in the late 60s, they kept their home there, and they're always going to go back to it. And so as they went back, mom wanted to make the house bigger she wanted to add on so when all the kids came back and grandkids there'd be room for them and my dad's like yeah but that's like once a year you know we almost need to downsize um because of of where we're at now just the two of us and they talked about this for for several months and i saw that um my dad posted his reasoning and my mom posted hers, and then my dad, out of love for his wife, said, if that's what you really, really want, that's what we'll do. And there was this dance going on, as one is, and, and mom was very open to whatever dad chose, and she would submit to what he was wanting. And so they would go back and forth um, with this understanding and really valuing what the other person felt and needed and aspired to. And if I asked my mom, um, if I would ask her, are you submitting to your husband? She would say yes. And then she would also say, but he always makes sure that within all decisions that it's what I'm wanting. And so they learned a biblical way to apply this, that through mutual love and submission, they were able to make decisions together with understanding that the true boss, the ultimate one, 
that we offer complete submission to is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then as we truly live that out, the others will fall into place. And this is true of all relationships. Let's say we leave the nuclear family and we go into the workplace, we go into school, we go where we're connecting with other people. Having a posture of not me first is powerful. And at first you may not be, you know, the person everyone's looking up to first, but when you look around and think of who do you respect the most who's really living out the life of Christ? Is it the the dominant people, the domineering people who are espousing their values, or is it the people that you see living out quiet humility of dedicating their life and service to Christ and love of other people, aren't those the ones that we respect and see the value in who Christ is calling them to be? I want to offer an opportunity during this Advent season. We have a, an Advent team that's put together ideas on, on how do we live out who Christ is calling us to be during the Christmas season. How do we learn to grow you know we've experienced christmas many times in our lives how do we use these biblical principles to to grow and i want to say that we want to submit to each other as brothers and sisters in christ and i want to offer up an opportunity for us to make it very clear that we love each other and we especially want to look out after those who are not sitting here in the sanctuary this morning. For those who are other places for other reasons, um, our shut-ins, students, others who are not with us this morning. And as an act of submission to understand that as we're going into Thanksgiving this week, as we're going into the Christmas season, that it's so easy to get caught up in all the stuff we gotta do and the things that we've gotta get done. And the last thing I want to do is just add more things to your to-do list that you have to do during the Christmas season. So what I want to encourage you to do is really think about, though, are there some things I can let go that, of this Christmas season that aren't maybe as important as I want them to, or as, as I, I think they are, so I can make time for other people who really can use my love and attention and time? So here's what we're doing. Um, we want to know, are there people in your lives or that you know of that we can love on? And I have in my own head, we have a list of, of people who are um, not able to attend services. Maybe they're in a nursing home. Maybe they're, they're living at home and others are caring for them. Maybe they don't get out very much. So I've got a list of some of those people, um, and I've already have that written out. But are there people that you know like that, I don't want to leave anyone out. So it may be a neighbor, maybe no one even connected with the church. Um, if so, please um, write that down and, and get that to me. And then also, for the ones that, that we receive, we're making a, a kit to love on this person during the Advent season. Now, these kits 
have some tools in this kit the main component that's part of this kit is to pray for the other person it's to commit during advent that i'm going to be praying for this person and there's a, a note inside that it's explaining what i'm saying and also there is a card that can be sent to them and also there's an ornament that you can decorate and give to them as well the thought is the the ornament is you do right away and you put that in a prominent place in your house and it's a reminder to be continually praying for this person during advent and then a card that you can send now these tools that are in here are a starter for you and if you do these things I just mentioned of praying and sending a card and creating this ornament that will eventually be given to them, then that's awesome. However, if you want to do more, you're welcome to do that. If you would like to stop by and visit them and introduce yourself and make a new friend, that would be awesome as well. So I don't want to limit what you want to do um, with the person that you'd be caring for during Christmas. So next week, which is the start of Advent, we'll have these available for you to pick up on Sunday morning. And also, if you want to participate in this on our website, um, now if you go to our website, there's an Advent button and different places to see about what we're doing during Advent. You can click on that and sign up to participate in this, this ministry that we're doing during the, the time of Advent. So we're excited by this. We want everyone to know that they are loved by God and loved by us as we strive to be who God's calling us to be. And that is an act of submission in that you're submitting to the Spirit calling. You're submitting to someone that you may not know that well. And by that, you're giving up your time and energy and your prayer time on behalf of the other person. So this spirit of, of submission, it goes against our culture that is around us, just like it went against the culture of the Roman Empire. But of submitting to the cross and submitting to each other is very powerful indeed. Also, I want to take this time to look in your, your bulletin on our website. It talks about Advent at Madison FBC. And the things listed here are the, the new things that are out of the norm that we're doing. Um, so next Sunday night on the 28th, we're having a special Advent worship at 6 o'clock. It's a time of, of music and celebrating Christ in the beginning of our Christmas season and people sharing um, testimonies and reading scripture, and that will be awesome. On the first Sunday in December, we'll be caroling. And everyone is invited to that as we will meet in the lower auditorium and then we will go out and um, visit people, many of them shut-ins. If, if the uh, nursing home and other places will let us in during that time period, we'll go in that, those places. If not, we'll just stand in people's yards um, who are shut-ins and sing to them. December the 12th, we have a chili and pie cook-off, a fellowship time. And then also... On the 19th, we will have a Christmas open house, and that is at the Parsonage. 
So the Whites are inviting all of us to stop by that afternoon and say hello and fellowship together there. And then we'll have our, like we have been on Christmas Eve, those two Christmas Eve worship times. And then on after Advent, we have Sunday morning, December the 26th. We're going to do something very different. We're going to have one worship service at 10 o'clock. And this one worship service is a celebration of the Spirit. And I'm talking about this now because just like we're having this kickoff with people sharing um, what God has been doing in their lives and it, its plans, I want the congregation to have the opportunity to share with each other what has Christ been doing in my life this past year? And then we can come together and share those things together about the work that Christ has been doing. And we'll do that in one worship service on the 26th as we share together on that, that Sunday morning. And I am so excited about um, that worship service as well as the others. Also on the um, December the 19th, in the first service, our choir will be sharing um, through special music um, a very special worship time as well. And so don't miss that opportunity on that Sunday morning as well. So this Advent season, as I mentioned these things, it may seem a lot, but spread out over a long period of time. But what I really want to encourage you to do is to consider adding caring to a person you don't know as part of your Advent season, as part of your worship and celebration of who Christ is as we come and, and worship together. So and you'll hear about these things as we continue through the season. But I just want to encourage you to think and pray carefully about who Christ is, is calling you to be during this season. The final reflection I would like all of us to think about is in the question of looking at in what ways, what area of submission do I need to work on? In what way do I need to submit to where the Spirit is calling me to submit in my own life? In what way do I need to put Christ first, me last? In what area of my life do I need to put my neighbor first, and me next what are areas do I need to do that in my life because as you receive the message of the cross in your life it will make a tremendous difference in who you are and how you respond to every single human being that you meet and how you respond to them and how you do that may be the only way that that other person is getting a glimpse of understanding who Jesus Christ is. And so it's so important that we follow through with how the Spirit is leading us to do and be as we are called to be a follower of Christ. Let's pray. God, as we look to you as the ultimate source of submission, God, I just pray that I will be convicted of areas where I need to submit. God, I pray that as you lead and guide that I will understand more closely the posture I need to take in regards to you, submitting to your will and who you call me to be. 
and submitting to those around me. Thank you for that opportunity of worshiping you by how I treat others. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen.